0: Welcome to the Lex City Church podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Love that video every time. Welcome uh, to week two of our Colors series. Pastor Ryan did a great job of setting it up last week, kind of talking through what the colors mean. And hopefully you've taken the assessment and you understand, you know, what your color looks like right now. And just want to recognize there are many of you guys here in person watching online that took this assessment a couple of years ago, and you've been kind of living in your color the last couple of years. And for our staff in particular, it's been really impactful for us. It's created some common language. So we kind of identify each other's colors and how to better, you know, work with each other and understand each other, that why behind this stuff has been impactful for my family, you know, as well. Others of you, it's your first time walking through this. I want to encourage you, man, our prayer for you is that you can see the unique wiring that God has created you to be and to do and to live in that and encourage you guys to do that. And so in case you're wondering, uh, I'm a yellow, pretty hardcore yellow. Uh, I'm pretty much yellow and, and red's right underneath it. And then I have 3% total blue and green, okay? And so uh, so I love you greens and blues. It's just we're not that similar, okay? And so uh, my family, in case you guys want to see a picture of my family there, my wife is the opposite. She is a blue-green opposites attract. And hers are pretty much blue-green with hardly any yellow, any red. My 16-year-old Caleb is a hardcore green. It's been really helpful to know that, to walk through that with him. My son Austin, who's 14, is a yellow with a little bit of blue in there. And then my daughter is basically many me. She's very yellow, got some red in there um, as well. And then I know you guys are wondering, my golden retriever Husker, he's a bright green, okay? Very green. When we come home from the – we get home in the house – he doesn't greet us. He's asleep on someone's bed somewhere in the house, and we, he doesn't come out. but he's a little bit of yellow when someone comes to the door that's a little bit new, okay? And so, but our family, this has really kind of helped us understand kind of the why behind behaviors, behind attitudes, behind words, and so it's been really helpful for our family, and I can't wait. The last week of this series, Pastor Brian's gonna take some time and kind of walk through the family dynamics and what the colors look like for parents and kids and, and those relationships. I'm looking forward to that uh, last week as well, and so... This week, we're going to look at the strengths of all of the colors, which is a little more enjoyable than when we look at the weaknesses in a couple of weeks, right? But embracing this truth may be even harder for some of you, because uh, here's the deal. I think a lot of us, we kind of acknowledge our weaknesses, kind of acknowledge things that we're not good at, but we kind of have a hard time coming to terms or coming to peace with our strengths. I talked to some of you, and I, and I even kind of cast a vision of what I see as your strengths, and you have a hard time receiving that as a strength in your life for whatever that reason is. And so I want to encourage you, let the strengths receive them today and who God's created you be in the wiring that God has in your life. Okay. And so here's the first point we have been created unique and created to be useful. You guys can go to Lexi.info, click on sermon notes, kind of follow along with the rest of the notes. And so God made you unique for his purpose. Ephesians one says this in him, We have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So just a a not so nice reminder, this whole thing of life is not about you, okay? Some of us have this mentality of the life or the world revolves around us, right? Don't point at your spouse, okay? So, but some of us, we have that. Here's the deal. There's a bigger purpose than just our preferences, so let's begin this discussion on our strengths, okay? So now as we think about strengths, there are kind of two schools of thought. One says the goal is to kind of level out or balance all of your colors. Like, I'm going to be 25% every single color. So last week, some of you that were in person, we had these stickers. Some of you had all four stickers. And I walked by and I was like, you're having an identity crisis. You are not all four of them, okay? Like, the only one that has balance is Jesus, okay? Okay? And so the goal is not to balance out all the colors. The goal is to recognize, like, who God's created you to be. And it's going to be one or more of the colors. It's not going to be all four of them equal. And so the other school of thought is to identify your weaknesses or your growth opportunities, your growth potential, and work very hard at turning those weaknesses into strengths. And so it's kind of the idea of your strengths don't need attention. Just bring up your weaknesses, right? This is kind of our default logic if you don't believe it, think about when you were a kid, or maybe now as a parent, report card time comes in, right? And the kid has like three A's, two B's, and then maybe one C or one D. What do we do as parents? We look at that one C, we look at that one D, and we're like, ooh, we got to get that up. we got to raise that up, right? Instead of going, you know what? These A's, these are your strengths. Let's celebrate those. Let's, let's investigate those a little bit more. Instead, we go straight to the C or the D, and we say, ooh, that's not good, we got to get that up. Now, kids, I'm not saying your parents shouldn't care about the C and D, okay? We do need to raise those grades up. All the kids are like, yes, it's okay. Mom and dad, these are not my areas of strength. It's okay that I'm failing. This class is totally fine, right? Don't take that as, as an excuse either. And so, like I think about my life and my schooling in high school, okay? I was terrible in history. I was terrible in science, Okay? These were never gonna be strengths for me. In fact, now when my kids come and ask me for help in chemistry and biology, I'm like, let's Google this thing. I have no idea about any of this stuff, okay? And I'm trying to help them, but they were never gonna be strengths for me because we're born with these temperaments. And much as we think and hope that they change over time, they really don't change that much. And so as we grow in our walk with Jesus, some of them may modify, but we kind of operate in the wheelhouse of our colors. So if you were generally really good at making friends in the playground as a kid. As an adult, you're probably really good at making friends at work, making friends in your neighborhood. Some of you yellows, right? I drive my family crazy. We'll go to the grocery store and I talk to strangers all the time. I think it's so fun. Like I talk to the, the checkout person. I talk to anybody else that I see. Like we'll be on hikes during, during when we were quarantined, we used to go hiking all the time. And people walk by and be like, hey, how's your day going? And my kids are like, oh, he's doing it again. Can we just walk and not talk to people for a little bit? But it's who God's wired me to be, and so I live in that. If you were that person as a kid that you were really neat and tidy, your room was always picked up, your lunchbox, it was all organized, right? Everything was organized, right? Maybe as a mom now, you're still just like that. You're organized. Your house is organized, right? Your kids have all these events, but you're scheduled it out, and it's good to go. And But then you have a husband who is messy and 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 I'm guilty of this. I throw my clothes next to the dirty clothes hamper. I don't know why I do that. It's right there. Like it's a foot over, right, guys? Are you with me on that? The husbands are like, we don't want to admit it, but yes, that's what we do, right? But you're living in that, right? If you were a dreamer as a kid, you were an ideas person, you had a great imagination, right? As an adult, that's probably still who you are. You're constantly thinking about these dreams and visions and goals for your life and all these ideas. In fact, right now, if you're a blue right now, you're thinking about five different ways we could have made this series better already, okay? And that's great. Live in that. Because those strengths are who God created you to be ever since you were in your mother's womb. So I want to propose to you this today. Your greatest impact comes when you leverage your strengths and you manage your weaknesses, Now, I have to manage my weaknesses so they don't become deterrents to my strengths, but I will only probably ever be average in my weaknesses. But I can become extraordinary in my strengths. When I work on my weaknesses, I can see maybe a little bit of incremental growth, but when I really dive into my strengths, there'll be exponential growth in those areas. So when I was younger, when I was a kid, I used to love basketball. I played outside my house every single day. And I had these dreams in middle school and high school of becoming an NBA basketball player, right? I was lacking a few things, height, size, general skill and talent level, just these minor details on my progress to the NBA, right? So instead, I finally learned that my athletic ability lended itself more towards sports like tennis and soccer. And I had to really kind of realize that I wasn't gonna take that weakness in my basketball and grow into a strength. I had to go, this is who God's wired me and created to be and live in those strengths. There's a really intelligent guy named Marcus Buckingham. He's an author, he's a speaker. He's just so smart. And he does all these books and writes all this stuff. And he talks about this area of like, he's done a lot of research and amazing work and the issue of living in your strengths. And he kind of writes about how there's this brain science that kind of backs this up. And science shows that you grow the most synoptic connections in your brain where you already have the most synoptic connections. That tends to be in the areas of strengths in your brain. It's kind of the cool way that that God has made us, right? The complexity of who we are continues to give evidence to a divine creator and not simply the chance of evolution in our lives. And your body functions best when it functions in your strengths. Not only physically, but emotionally. So an unhealthy focus on your weaknesses and what we are not can actually steal from the joy of who you're uniquely created to be. So when I live in my strengths, live in who I truly am and who is created to be, I'm not a great test taker, right? That was another weakness for me. I remember growing up, I was great at papers, terrible at tests. I got to college and my senior year, I had two 20-page papers due on the same day at the end of the semester, When did I learn about those papers? The beginning of the semester, right? But I had the spiritual gift of procrastination. So I waited and I waited and I wrote 40 pages in 48 hours. I didn't sleep for two days. I got A's on both the papers, but I could study for a week for a test and still fail the test. It was a weakness in my life. So I was never gonna be a great test taker. I was never gonna be an NBA basketball player, but I was gonna be an executive pastor who has a joy for people and a joy for systems. And when I stay in that lane, I have the most joy, fulfillment, and impact in my life. I stay true to who God created me to be. And that's what I love about our staff. We didn't have this colors assessment when we hired the majority of our staff. But as I look at this now, I go, you know, we have people in operations on our team who who are blues, who are great at systems and order and they're methodical and they're process-based. And so as we begin to take these tests, it's like, oh, a lot of our pastors are yellow and green. They're people-oriented. So it's really cool to see how our staff and the way they're wired already lends themselves to be a part of the body of Christ and play that well. And that's what our church does as well. Because research shows that only two out of ten people report that they are living and working in their strengths. Two out of 10, 20% of people are living and working in their jobs out of strengths. That means 80% are saying, you know what? I do this job because it pays the bills. I'm not super passionate about it. I'm not living in my strengths right now. It makes me a little bit sad to know that stat, right? But that's why knowing your strengths and living in those strengths is critical. But also, how you define what a strength is is critical. Because strengths are not simply just what you're good at, it's also what you have an appetite for. Simply stated, a strength leaves you feeling strong. There are some things that you are good at that don't leave you feeling strong. I think for me, and sorry that all of my um, examples are sports related, but I, I love sports, okay? So in middle school, I was on the track and cross country team. And I ran like a 520 mile in middle school, which I didn't know at the time, but I guess that's pretty good. Here's the deal. I hated running. I still hate running. And they're like, but you're so good at it. You're so good at it. You have to run and run and, and do high school track. And I was like, how can I run like really small distances? I'm like, oh, tennis. I just run a little bit on the court. This is perfect for me, right? So it was a strength, but I didn't have a passion for that strength in my life. And many of you, you have things that you're good at, but they're not a strength. You are simply just highly competent people, and you can do a lot of things. That's why when it comes to serving at our church at Lex City, like anybody can hold a baby, anybody can greet at a door, but are you passionate about doing those things? Is it a strength? And that's where we try to match like your passion, your strengths with the needs of the church. So you're not serving out of obligation, but you're serving out of passion. Marcus Buckingham, same guy, gives a very practical way to know your strengths. This is really helpful for me. He says, pay attention to how you feel before, during, and after an activity. Before, during, and after an activity. When you think about doing something, do you look forward to it? Does the time fly by while you're doing it? Does it fill your soul and leave you fulfilled? So my challenge to you this week is, is take this week, use your phone, right, for something good, right? Pull out your notes. As you're doing activities throughout the week, whether it's things with your kids, whether it's things at work, whether it's whatever you're doing, right, at school or whatever, and begin to, to jot down things, right, where you felt good and excited and passionate about before, during, and after an activity, take some notes there. At the end of the week, pick out three or four things, and you're like, wow, I think these are my strengths. This is what I'm good at. This is what God's created me to do. Again, the goal isn't simply to find out how you are unique. It's to find out how you can be useful because God created you for his purpose. So take example of the writing of the Bible, okay? We believe this is the inspired and errant word of God, That God divinely influenced the human authors of the scriptures in such a way that what was, they wrote in their own words, their own personality, but it's actually the very word of God. So in the New Testament, after the beginning of the church, the church began to drift from what was the truth, right? And so there were these false teachers and they entered the ranks and they were really messing things up and services were becoming disorderly and not not God honoring. And so what temperament do you think God chose at the time to speak hard truth to the church? What color would that be? red, right? God chose a red. Now, red, some of us, we get kind of the brunt of the scripture, right? We're we're told that we're bossy and harsh, right? And we're like, no, we're just leaders. Chill out, you know? And so, but today I want to remind you why God created you so strong. When God wanted hard truth spoken, he used a spirit-filled red by the name of Paul. Like, I think about if if God would have chosen a green, to speak the harsh truth to the church of Corinth at the time, the letter would have looked something like this. Well, uh, church, sorry to bother you guys. You know, you're probably pretty busy. Um, but I have some concerns, and I hear services are kind of spirited and alive, but outsiders may have, a, like, a slight confusion But what's happening, and, you know, God's a God of order, and so your service uh, is not really representing that very well. And I just want to encourage you to consider, just consider bringing order, okay, but only if it's not too much, real, only if you want to do that. and That letter would accomplish nothing, right? That is a non-confrontational letter when there needed to be some hard truth spoken to the people. But not the red. Be strong and courageous. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, even so if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. So Paul does immense words, right, with the false teachers. He goes on in Philippians 3, he says, Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Then he goes on in Galatians 5, and he says, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. This is some great, like, biblical smack talk right here from Paul, okay? Okay. When God wanted to teach some of the deeper theological truths of the Bible, he chose a red, named Paul, 13 books in the New Testament. Some of those while he was held in prison. Like if other temperaments that weren't red were in prison, they would have had self-pity. But the red rose to the occasion. Paul was like, give me a prison guard. I'll preach to this church of one. Then when they change, I'll preach to the next person. Like when the challenge got harder, the red gets even deeper into their red, right? They get excited about that stuff because reds, you're amazing. You have a strength that rises to the surface in times of difficulty. You shine during crisis, you shine during emergencies. So reds, live in that, you are like Paul. Moving on, when God desired to remind us that the entire Bible is the story of Jesus, when someone asks me what the Bible is about, I say the Bible is the story of God rescuing us. The whole Bible is the story of God rescuing us through his son, Jesus. That the Old Testament points to Jesus. There is a consistent theme that runs through this entire book. So what color has the strength of order, process, and is methodical? Blue, right? It's a blue. So God chose our blue. And that blue would be Matthew. What was his profession before he became an apostle? You guys know what Matthew did? He's a tax collector. So numbers and details. Matthew's gospel consists of 1,071 verses and 165 times or 15% of his verses. 15.4% to be exact. I want the blue sending me emails, okay? He uses the phrase, this formula, uh, when A then B equals C, which is consistent of how an analytical blue person would write. Think about the book of Matthew. It's a chronological record of events and how these events fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament into the New Testament. He gives the chronological story of the life of Jesus to show that both Jews and Gentiles could know that Jesus of Nazareth is and was the Messiah. So we've discussed reds being Paul, blues being Matthew. Then we contrast this with our favorite yellow, the apostle Peter. Notice that most of the times when we read about Peter, what is Peter doing? He's talking, yes, something stupid, and he's talking all of the time, right? Remember, there are some people that think, then speak. Then there are some people that speak, then think. Unfortunately to my poor wife, I speak and then I think, okay? But one of my favorite interactions uh, with Peter is found in John 13. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. As yellow as we maybe sometimes have extreme language, right? Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter explained, well, if that's the case, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. When they take Jesus into the garden and the soldiers come, who cuts off the soldier's ear to protect Jesus? Irrational Awesome, out there, Peter, right? When all the other colors cowered in fear in the boat, what color stepped out in irrational faith to meet Jesus on the water? Yellow Peter. There is a spontaneity of faith that is contagious. Peter, the rock, the great evangelist, led thousands to the Lord. So if you're a yellow, embrace that. Your people skills can be used for God's purposes. It's an evangelistic goldmine. Live in that strength. And then the last color, greens. So Matthew records the account of Jesus' life, and he builds a chronological case. But Luke, our green, his writing is more of a conversational style. Thirteen times Luke begins the verses with the phrase, So it was, which sounds a lot like once upon a time. And he includes many more names, which shows the value that he had on relationships. When God wanted the account of Mary and Martha shared the less of being rather than doing, what color did he pick to teach such truth? Luke, our green. If he would have picked a red, if he would have picked a blue, they'd have been focusing on, yeah, Martha knows what it's at. She's getting the work done. She's making it happen. But God knew that this was really more about being than doing. So he picked Luke, our green, to capture that story. And when God has specific messages, specific lessons, he shows specific temperaments. Because you were created not simply to be unique, but to be useful to the kingdom. And he begins with knowing our strengths and then leveraging those strengths for the greater cause. You guys remember a long time ago, in 2006, Warren Buffett, who's from my hometown of Omaha, Nebraska, at the time in 2006, was the wealthiest man in the world He decided in that year, I'm going to give $31 billion to another wealthy family, but to a foundation. So he gave it to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Why would he do that? And he said, because I am not great at giving money away. I'm not great at the nonprofit charity side. And they're really good at it. So I gave it to them. And then when they asked the question, why would you do that? He said, he gave two reasons. He said, because the Gates will give it away better than I will. They're just better at this. And his second answer was this, because charity is no fun for me. Which at first glance sounds a little bit weird, like wouldn't charity be fun for everybody? But what he was really saying is my strength is making money. It's not giving it away. And I value the impact of charity too much to trust myself with that. So I'm going to give it to someone else who has that strength that I don't have. And that was just charity. We've been entrusted as Christ followers with something far greater than that. With the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the power of life and death. And like the apostles, God has wired you uniquely to tell his story to your sphere of influence, to use your strengths. We all have a space that God's given us of people in our lives. It could be your neighbors, it could be your co workers. We all have it. It isn't up, just up to all the yellows to go reach people for Jesus. We all have areas in our life and God can use those strengths in incredible ways. And like the apostles, God has wired uniquely to tell his story to your sphere of influence. Your strengths are what will make you exceptional, not balancing all of your weaknesses and turning them into strengths. So manage your weaknesses, leverage your strengths, because the body of Christ, all of us, in a lost world, it wins when we can play to our strengths, So as we close today, what are two things you can do every week to kind of push towards your strengths? Some of us this week, we need to identify what our strengths are. How do we do that? Maybe ask a family member, ask a close friend and say, hey, what would you see that I'm good at? When you look at my life, what would you see my strengths are? Ask those trusted advisors in your life. It says in God's word to, to, to get wise counsel, right? ask them and then compare what they say with what you're passionate about those are probably your strengths then i would encourage you go to the website that we put on like and look at your color and see which color which strengths you resonate with in your life and maybe look at your life and say where do you need to make some realignments where can you serve this world where you are not simply competent but it's in a strength then i would say parents like where can we look at our kids and their strengths and then we can fan those flames and stop worrying about the things they're not great at yet. How can we encourage them and who they already are? How can we celebrate the A's and not just look at the C's and D's in their life? Because like City, we are full of Paul's and Peter's and Luke's and Matthew's. In fact, when we did this series a couple of years ago, it literally came out and our church, all of you, it was almost 25% on every single color, which was so cool to see. It's the body of Christ at work in our strengths, in the church. We have a story to share and the world that needs to hear it. So share and live in your strengths and watch God move. As we close, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. No one looking around. This is an opportunity for you here in person, you watching online, just to take a moment. If your schedule's like mine, it's really busy all the time. You don't have those moments where you just kind of sit and be and try to hear from God. And I wanna encourage you, if you're here right now or watching online and you would say, you know what? You talk about these strengths and how God can use them in my life. But I don't know if I have a relationship with the God that you're talking about. And I wanna encourage you, it says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What that means is that God knows all of my sin, all of my mess ups, all of my junk in my life. And he knows it in your life as well. And in spite of all of that, he loves you and he loves me unconditionally. And he takes it one step further. He wants a relationship with you through his son, Jesus. So right now, maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I kind of walked into this room or I logged online and I just kind of, uh, man, I'm hurting. I kind of limped in here emotionally. I have so much going on in my life and I'm trying to find my identity and all the wrong things in the world and my reputation, my career, my success, all these things, and it's leaving me empty. Can I just encourage you, you have a void in your life that can only be filled by a relationship with Jesus. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, just encourage you, if, if that's you right now, and you would say, you know what, Zach? Today, for the very first time, I wanna ask Christ to come into my heart. I wanna stop living for myself. I wanna live for him. If that's you with no one looking around, just slip your hand up boldly so I can pray with you. Just say, that's me today. I wanna ask Christ to come into my heart right now. Awesome, I see your hand. Anybody else that would say, that's me? Very cool, I see your hand, yeah. I'm gonna say a prayer right now, and it's just a prayer that can I helps you connect your heart to the very heart of God, just say something like this between you and God. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. But today, God, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to change me. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross for my sins and that he beat death and rose again. I'm tired of living for me. I wanna start living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you guys just give it up for those people that made the decision today? What an incredible decision. Just wanna encourage you, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, just just do me a favor. If you made that decision, whether you raise your hand or not and encourage you guys, if you're here in person, you have a card in your seat bag that just says life is complicated. We know a guy talking about Jesus. I encourage you guys to fill that out. It just says name, phone, email. Take that out if you're in person. Fill it out really quickly. Take it out to the Welcome Center. You can trade it in for this free gift that we have for you. It's a book called The Decision. It just kind of walks you through some next steps on the first few pages. Then it gives you the Gospel of John that you can read through and the rest of it. I encourage you guys. It's a free gift. It's a great book. I encourage you guys to just take this out to the Welcome Center and, uh, and trade that in for this decision book here. So, Pastor Brian. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.